All right. Well, hey, I'm excited to be with you guys today. My name is Keith, and I'm an administrative pastor here. I'm going to now describe what I do to Ryan Garrett so that he will know what I do. No, I'm just kidding. So it's my privilege to serve you guys here at New Life. Um, it's, I get to do administrative stuff, so that would include connect groups, finances, building, missions, operation stuff behind the scenes that help keep us going on a day-to-day basis, week-to-week. Um, so it's my privilege to serve you guys and to be able to, to help with that. Um, and we are in the middle of a series called Asking for a Friend. And so the purpose of this, um, this series is to help equip and train all of you in how to answer very difficult questions. So we've been going through a series of tough questions, and we've been working through them. Next week, uh, we're going to finish the series with Pastor Nathan coming back and speaking about one of the biggest philosophical issues, one of the things that we've, I think our society's been struggling with for 15 years now, and that is, is Jesus the only way? Is Jesus the only way to get to heaven? Like, there's these other religions who are really, truly seeking God. They're really trying. Like, is God big enough to be able to include them? Like, is that, how does that work? And also, for those of us who live here in Springfield and we have people who have been hurt by the church or just been frustrated out and, and they're done with God and they're, they don't want anything to do with Jesus. And we believe in Jesus. Like, how do, we, how do we deal with this? How do we talk about this and how do we include them in to what we believe? And so you won't want to miss next week. Pastor Nathan is going to knock it out of the park and it's going to be really fun. It's going to be a great message um, for that. This week, though, we are looking at why isn't God answering my prayer? So... We want to unpack this, this question throughout the day, but I want to welcome you into a conversation that is a very difficult and, and hard conversation at times, and one that Samantha and I have um, struggled with ourselves. There's been prayers that we've prayed um, that God has not answered for years. Since about the third year of marriage, we've been seeking God for something, and yet he, he still has not answered the, that prayer. And so I want you to like, if you can, open your heart and your mind and know that I am trying in this as well, that we're all struggling through this and we're all trying to figure out what it is that God has for us and and what do we do with these unanswered prayers. Well, today, we don't have time to get into all the aspects of prayer. Why we pray, how we pray, what's the right way to pray, where do we pray. We we don't have time to get into all of those things. But what we're simply going to do is distill prayer down to simply saying it's a conversation with God. It's an ability for us to have a conversation with God in which we ask for something and he has not yet responded. And so this conversation reminds me of some of the conversations that Samantha and I had when we were first looking for a house. So we had been married like a year and a half and we were searching for a house for the first time and we were still getting to know each other. We were still learning who each other were and um, we would sit online at night and we would look through picture after picture and go through Zillow and look at her, Zillow? I think that's it, yeah? Okay, good. That's not the marriage wine, right? So, um, so we were looking through all of the, like all these sites, looking at pictures of houses, and, um, and we would begin looking like, do you like this or do you like that? Why do you like this? Why do you like that? And, and then we would drive around town and we'd look at different parts of town and we wanted to see what it was like and who was there. And, and we were trying to like figure all of this out. And one of the first things that we did when we finally saw a realtor he sat us down 
and he had us make a list. So he's asked Samantha, what are the top two or three things that you want out of house? And Keith, what are the top two or three things that you want? Well, Samantha is a great cook. She is a fabulous cook. She loves cooking. And one of the biggest things on her list was the kitchen. She needed the kitchen to be laid out in such a way that like, it made sense with the appliances and the countertop and the space was there so that she could cook on a regular basis. She also cared about like, the layout of like, the kitchen and dining room and living room and how that was laid out. Because for her, a big deal was to be able to cook a meal and invite people over and they could feel welcome and comfortable in her house. So she was really interested in that. And of course, like any woman, she wanted a big closet. Like, we always have too many clothes. So that was the other thing that she wanted was a, was a closet. For me, I was most interested in the distance between me and the house next to me. So I grew up in Southern California, and sometimes you can do this and touch the houses. That's too close for me. And so we couldn't afford land, but I wanted, I wanted a little bit of a yard. I needed a little bit of distance, right? Good fences make good neighbors. I need a little distance between me and my neighbors and, and some space there. I also was very interested in wanting a garage. And so I still have this dream of parking two cars in our garage. It's never happened. It probably won't happen. But that was something that I wanted. But what was fun was as we were sitting around talking and having a conversation about the things that we wanted and discussing it, we began to realize that we were planning our future. Like, the things that we decided on, the future, the day-to-day -day life that we have was impacted by these, this decision of the house that we had. And so, like, Samantha doesn't like where the AC unit sits because it's next to the kitchen or something like that. And, like, it in, intrudes on her kitchen. And she has been wanting to move that since the day we bought the house. And, like, there's these things that, like, we make a decision and we have to live with what that is for a long time. And... What we struggle with at times is trying to understand the other person's perspective, trying to understand why do you like this, how do you like this, and, and on uh, all of these questions that we have, but it was fun to be able to design our future together and for me to have my perspective shift and change based on the things that Samantha wanted. When we walked into a house, there were things that Samantha liked and wanted, and, and I began to start learning those things, and I knew, like, yes, this is something that this, this house would work or this wouldn't. Sometimes we'd walk in the house and I would ask Samantha a question and she would, she, would like the, she would respond to my question and I would either like or dislike her response. Sometimes I liked it. Sometimes I enjoyed her response of yes or no and sometimes I didn't like it. And I think the same thing is true with God. Sometimes we make a request to God in which we like his answer and sometimes we don't like his answer. So the first point I want to look at today is sometimes we're happy when God doesn't answer our prayer. Sometimes that makes us happy. So for any of you who've ever had a high school sweetheart or a college sweetheart or someone in your past that you were just, you were in love and everything was going really good and you'd pray, God, please let this relationship last. Like this is my soulmate. This is going to be great. This is, this is good. And then inevitably a few months goes by and the relationship crashes and burns and you just move on, right? And then 5, 10, 15 years later, you see this person on social media, or you see him in person, and you think, sweet Jesus, thank you for not answering that prayer. Like, oh my gosh, like you saved me from something. And so, and we're happy, we're glad, we're thankful that God didn't answer that prayer. Another example is when I was working at Evangel, I was doing IT project management, I was looking for a new job. And so I went and I searched around, and I found, I found this IT company in Joplin, they saw Joplin, and I applied for that, and I began going through, jumping through the hoops, um, to get employment. And so um, as I started, 
um, I was like, God, if this is your will, open the door. And as I continued to move through the stages and jumping through more, more hoops, more hoops, I, w- I was getting pretty excited, and I was really praying, like, God, open this door. This is going to be great. Um, and I found out before driving all the way to Joplin that I was, the f- I was the only candidate. I was the final candidate that they had, and I was going for an in-person interview. So the whole way to Joplin, I'm like, God, this is great. I'm thinking about the logistics of how good this is going to be, and, and it's in Joplin, but I can work from Springfield, and blah, 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 and I'm making all of these things up, right? And I'm praying about it, and I go there, and the interview goes really well. This is a fantastic interview. Come back, and I'm call, I call my parents and my wife. I call everybody and talk about how excited I am for this job. And then, like, two days goes by, and I get an email that they've decided to go in a different direction. And I was like, What? So I was like, well, whatever. So I kept applying, kept moving on. Um, and then within two weeks, I can't remember if it was a week or two weeks, but within two weeks, I found out that the IT company in Joplin had a parent company that was out there, and they decided during a board meeting to bring the CEO in, unbeknownst to anyone in the organization, and liquidate the entire company and dissolve it. So by, I think it was a Thursday afternoon, by 2 o'clock that day, everybody in that company was in the unemployment line. I was like, oh, God, thank you so much. Like, that would have been a terrible thing to leave a good job to work a week and then be laid off. Like, that would have been horrible. So sometimes we're thankful, we're grateful, we're happy with those questions. But I think that it's easy to look back, but I think for those of us who are currently struggling with something where we've asked God for this prayer, and and probably some of the prayers are more substantial than a puppy love or God protecting us from something down, down the road that, that we didn't have to experience. Sometimes the prayer is more the difficult things that we have experienced or are experiencing. Or God, God, please answer this prayer. And he doesn't seem to answer that prayer. And, and we keep saying, God, if you would answer this prayer, this would be great. And meanwhile, we see God answering prayers around. If you've been at New Life in the last year, we have seen God move and act and answer prayers and do it and change things. I remember we were um, at, in the hospital and we were praying for someone who was literally on their deathbed with cancer and we thought, any day, this is it. And we anointed them with oil and we prayed over them and they were able to, their body was able to, to rally and sustain and they gave, God gave them the, the physical ability to sustain the medication they had to go through and gave the doctor's wisdom in changing what was going on and they were able to be healed and a year later, completely free of cancer completely free. God is answering prayers, and we see that. We've also seen people come to Christ here at New Life, where a mom or a dad or someone prays, and they pray and pray and pray, and finally this person who's headed down one way, and they're not living for Christ, turns, they get, they get saved, and they get water baptized here at New Life, and are now on a trajectory that changes their life, and their kids' lives are changed, the direction of their life is totally different. And so you can see God answering prayers and God doing things, and that's exciting, and we like it, but we go, God, why aren't you answering my prayer? What about me? What about my prayer? And so a couple of things, there's probably lots of reasons that we come up with why God wouldn't answer my prayer or our prayers, but there's two things that I want to unpack for us today. And one is that sometimes I've thought or have been told that I don't have enough faith, that we need faith the size of a mustard seed, and I just must not have enough faith. I must be, there's something wrong here. And I would encourage you to evaluate that. Like, do you have faith? So there's been times I've come into this auditorium, and I've prayed for something. I've asked God to do something in my life, and I've walked out those doors, 
and I began acting and doing things as though God's not going to answer my prayer. I began making plans and preparation because I didn't think God was going to answer. And that's, that's no faith. Like, I don't have faith. And guys, I was essentially an atheist, right? I was functioning as an atheist to say, God, would you do this and then turn around and not do it? Not, or make plans that he won't do it? That's not, that's not right. There's also been times I've felt like, God, here's this big prayer that I need, and maybe God's mad at me. Like, maybe God has asked me to do something or asked me not to do something, and, and like, I, I keep failing at that. And it's like my, my flesh is so weak, but my spirit wants to do the things that God has asked me to do. So those may be things that you need to evaluate. Are, do you have faith? Are you praying with true faith? And are you praying in a way in which you are trying to be like Jesus? Or are you just like, God, I want this, and not ever thinking about him again or trying to be like him? That could be the case, but I want to propose to you that that's not always the case. Because at the end of the day, it's not about us. It's not about what we do or what we say. It's about what God does. God is the one who answers prayers and can do whatever he wants to do. It's just like the thief on the cross. If you've been in church for a long time, you've heard about the thief that was on the cross next to Jesus and prayed a prayer and, and said, God, this, would you save me? And that day, a sinful person who had no, no way of becoming a good disciple of Christ was changed and transformed by Jesus. Like that happened without anything. So there are ways in which we need to, we need to watch how we pray and, and, and why we're praying. But at the end of the day, it's not up to us. It's really up to God. It's up to what God is doing, and we, and we have to surrender. We have to surrender to that. And so we have, we have reasons. We have to evaluate. But then we get to this spot again where we say, okay, I've evaluated. I think I have faith. I'm trying to have faith. I'm trying to be a disciple of Jesus. God, why aren't you answering this prayer? This is a, a substantial prayer that I need you to answer, and, and why aren't you doing it? So here's the big point. Here's the big idea for today. Why isn't God answering my prayer? It's because, well, we don't know. We don't know why God isn't answering our prayer, but we have to surrender to him and trust him to transform us. We have to surrender to God and trust him to transform us, and we don't know why God sometimes won't answer these big prayers. Like big prayers, like God has placed it on your heart to have a family, and yet you can't He's not giving you children, whether that's adoption or pregnancy or whatever the case is. Or maybe there's healing that's needed for someone that you know that if God healed them from this thing, they could take care of their kids and they could take care of the church and they could take, like all of this would make sense. God, why aren't you answering these prayers? And the fact is we don't know. Just like Pastor Nathan preached about uh, two weeks ago, why do bad things happen to good people? This, this message parallels that because none of us are praying, God, we're just too healthy. Take the health away from us. Or God, we just need some pain and suffering in our life. Like, bring that on. No one's praying those things. It's the same vein of saying, God, this is, this is horrible. This is a difficult situation. This is bad. Would you, would you, would you help me here? And we, become to get, we become desperate, and we don't know why God doesn't answer it. But we have to surrender. Just like Job. We have to learn to surrender. And so I want to unpack this in a couple of ways. Um, first, so we don't know, but we have to surrender to God and trust him to transform us. So I want to talk about why, and then we're going to talk about how we do that. So why do we need to surrender to God 
and let him transform us. Go all the way back to the very beginning, the left-hand side of your Bible, start in Genesis. And in the very beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Like he built this earth. He created, he separated the, the water from the land. He put the birds in the air, trees. He built everything. He set it up and it all worked. It was functional. It did exactly what it was supposed to do. It was a great design. And then he created Adam and Eve. In the image of him, he created them and put them on this planet and he was so excited to be with them, and they had a, a connection and a relationship. They had a relationship in which they were able to walk next to God in the garden every night and talk about things. They were able to talk about the future. Just like Samantha and I would sit and communicate face-to-face and talk about the things that we wanted this to be, that was the same thing that was going on with God and Adam and Eve. They were, Adam and Eve were totally naked and unashamed, and they, they were there before God, and they were able to communicate about the future. And God had this partnership plan in which he empowered Adam and Eve to be able to do such great things. Like, he set up this ecosystem, but he wanted people to come and make it even better. And that there was this awesome partnership. And so Adam and Eve were there, and everything was good, and they were with God, and they partnered with God, and they were connected to God, and they saw him, and it was beautiful. But we all know that Adam and Eve began to wander off in chapter 3, and instead of partnering with God, they wandered back into sin and separated themselves from God. That they wanted to be like God. They didn't want to partner with God anymore. They wanted to be like God. And then all of a sudden, there's this disconnect and separation that happened between us and God to where we're no longer able to just stand next to God like Adam and Eve did. And so we have this separation, we have this gap, we have this problem. And yet, so desperately, we want to reconnect with God, and God wants to connect with us. We see this because you can go to the hospital or see an accident that has just happened, and you can run over to someone and you can say, can I pray for you? Nine times out of ten, they're going to say yes, even if they're not a Christian or they don't believe. or like They're not praying people, but they're like, yes, I'll try anything, please. This is a difficult situation. And so we have this gut feeling that we just need to, we need to ask God, if it works, let's try it right? And on the other side, God so desperately wants to reconnect with us that he sent Jesus into the world that he created to pay the price that we couldn't pay. And he so desperately wants to reconnect, and so do we. We want to reconnect with God. And this is where we get salvation, is that we can be saved by what Jesus did on the cross. But the thing is, is we're not quite, while we can be saved, we're not ready to be back in the garden state in Genesis 1 and 2 and be totally naked and unashamed with God. We walk around with clothes and shame and frustration because of the sin that's in our world and the sin that we have committed. And God can save us from that, but we're not ready for partnership like we were back then, right? And here's the thing. God can use the pain and the frustrations and the difficulties of this world to begin to transform us. Because I know for me, the pain is where, and the frustration is where the real core, the heart of my heart, really starts showing, and it reveals all the nasty and the disgusting and the, the frustrations that I have. That it's in those times that I, that I see who I am. And we have to get to the point where we understand that God is in control. Just like Job, and he said, if you read the book of, of Job, it's such a great, a great work, and you get to the end of it, and Job ultimately says, I understand I can't understand. 
Like God built this world and he knew how great it could be over here and he knew how awesome this would be and he also knows how horrible it is now and how it is with sin in it. God gets both and we barely get this one, but God gets this other side. Also, God understands the butterfly effect of one decision that trickles down generations and generations. Someone makes a decision and then all these things start happening to the family or the people around them. And God understands that decision tree for 7 billion people today. Like God gets things that we don't understand. And so we have to come to this point where we say, God, we don't understand and I really want to surrender to you. I want to surrender to who you are. But as we do that, you could be sitting there saying, okay, you bearded millennial, you don't get how long I've been praying for this. Like, you don't understand the pain that I've been in, the pain that I've felt. And here's the thing, I don't. I don't understand your pain. I don't understand what you've been through. But two things, one is that Samantha and I have walked through some serious pain in our life. And we have prayed for God to do things for us, and yet he hasn't done it. And so I, I, I can relate in some ways to what you're feeling. And on the other side of the coin, the second response is that Jesus truly understands what you've been through. When you hurt, he hurts. He was here and he felt the pain. He felt the frustration that's here. And he loves you. And he's not causing these bad things to happen as, as a guy up with a puppet master upstairs. That's not how he is. He's someone who entered into it and felt the pain and the frustration that we have. And he so desperately wants to be with you. But the thing is, is God wants to use these difficult situations to transform us back into the kinds of people who can be with him. So how? How do we go from this position of understanding we need to surrender to actually doing it and, and allowing God to transform us? I came across an excellent quote. It's from Henry Now, and he's a great theologian and a pastor. And he said that we have to pray persistently until we truly have open hands. Because the thing is, is if you're like me, we can, become, we can come up here and we can ask God, if you would solve this problem, God, if you would just bring this thing, I can see how this can go. And God, this is what we need. God, if you did this, it would make sense. And we begin to just tight-fisted and we get frustrated. And, and we begin to look at the results of what we're talking about instead of the person that we're praying to. And we have to come to this place where we say, God, if you're going to change me through this, change me through this. But here's the thing. If you walked in here and you've been praying this for 10, 15 years, and you're, you've been going through some stuff in which it's, it's difficult, like th these are the serious things in life that you've been praying, you're not going to walk out of here in a 30-minute thing and just like, yep, it's okay. All good, right? Like we have to get to this place where we pray persistently until we truly have open hands. We have to get to this place where we say, God, this is what I want. But God, not your will, but, or not my will, but yours. And you, and you slowly have to begin investigating your heart and let God work on you so that we can truly start surrendering, that we can surrender to who he is. And so we have to pray persistently, time and time again. So yes, I'm saying, if you come in here and say, why isn't God answering my prayer? And I say, pray more. That is the, that is the case. That is what we're after. We're after a relationship with God, not results. But there's no better example of this than Jesus Christ. 
Jesus set this example for us. And it happened in such a way in which he was going through his life and towards, towards the end of his life here on earth. He came through Jerusalem and they had Palm Sunday and everything was great. And then they went and they had communion where Jesus gives communion. And this is where we pick up in Matthew 26, verse 36. Jesus had just sent uh, Judas away to betray him, and he retreats. And he says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell with his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came to his disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, So you men could not keep watch with me for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. Again he came and found them sleeping, and their eyes were heavy. And he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. And what we see in this, as musicians begin to come forward, what we see in this is that Jesus does what we've been talking about. He starts with saying, God, I don't understand why this has to happen. Take this away from me. And he prays again and again and again, and he begins to open himself up and say, not my will, but yours be done. God, use this situation to transform me. Use this situation to help make me like you. And it's not about the results of the situation, but it's about the relationship that we have with Christ that can change us. So now, my charge to you is, to begin, if everyone will close your eyes and just begin to evaluate in yourself, what are the things that you hold on to so tightly? What are the things that you become frustrated with? The things that the Holy Spirit is asking you to release to Him. Sometimes we become so close-fisted that we don't see who Jesus is. And yet he's the perfect example of that. He's the example that shows us that we can slowly but surely begin to open up and say, God, it doesn't matter the circumstances that are around. I want to know who you are above all else. I'm going to pray for you in just a minute. But on, when I'm done, at each side of the room, there'll be someone to pray with you. And if you're someone who has... Uh, doesn't have a relationship with Christ in which you feel like you can really talk to him and communicate with him, there will be people there who can help walk you through having a relationship with Christ. There's also some people in this room who think, man, I've been praying for this, and, and I, want, I want to release it. I want to see through it, but I don't know that I can. 
and you need some people who are not going to fall asleep on you, but be with you and pray with you. And that's what these people can do. And just think about the thing that you have and how God can use this situation to let you see him and to transform you. Let me pray for you. Thank you for watching our services. If you have questions or you would like more information, you can visit us online at nlspringfield.com. We'd also love to have you join us at one of our Sunday morning services. We have programs at 9.30 and 11 for adults, students, and kids. We hope to see you there.